At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like my Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Philadelphia CityCast with Ryan Rothstein. Presented by Bet Rivers. Another one. The Phillies win again on Wednesday night. Welcome back. Philadelphia CityCast. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Ryan Rothstein. 10 nothing. 10 nothing. What was it? Eagles Packers? <laughs> there it is. Unbelievable. Phillies now six straight wins undefeated since Joe Girardi got canned. Rob Thompson, 5-0 and as interim manager for your Philadelphia Phillies. The young guys are playing. Bryson Stott hits another home run, a big home run. One of four homers hit in the 10-0 victory on Wednesday night. We're seeing Mickey Moniak. We're seeing Alec Baum with some consistency and success as well as Stott. As I mentioned, uh, another nice outing on the mound. Nola's pitching well. You're getting nice performances from Ranger Suarez. Eflin gets the start on Thursday afternoon as the Phillies go for the sweep of the Milwaukee Brewers. We'll get to the odds for that uh, game in just a second. Uh, a lot of you may be listening prior to that first pitch. Some of you may be listening as that game is live or maybe even a final. Uh, so we'll we'll quickly go over the odds for game three, Milwaukee-Philly. We have Marcus Hayes of the Philadelphia Inquirer joining us for this episode. Looking forward to chatting with Marcus. He has a new article out in the Philadelphia Inquirer titled, Girardi's Firing a Needed Jolt. Phillies now 27 and 29, six straight wins, as I mentioned, nine and a half back of the Mets. But for us Phillies fans, it's probably best we 
focus our energy on the wild card. And the Phillies now just three and a half games back of a playoff spot. And that's what we all have been yearning for so so desperately here in the city of Philadelphia for our fightings. All right, so let's get right into the conversation with Marcus Hayes. I'll give you the odds for the uh, 2.10 p.m. Eastern time start for game three between the Phils and the Brewers. Phillies are the road dog, plus 143 at Bet Rivers. The Brewers, minus 175. You look at the run line, the Phillies getting one and a half, priced at minus 159. Brewers laying the one and a half, priced at plus 128. The total set at seven and a half. The over priced at plus 105. The under priced at minus 125. Zach Eflin is getting the ball to start things off for the Phils. Would be nice to see another nice outing uh, from a Phils starting pitcher. That's been a factor uh, amongst many other things. So let's get Marcus Hayes into the conversation. We'll get his thoughts on all things Phillies. Hope you enjoy. All right, so let's bring Marcus into the conversation now. Uh, as we've mentioned, Marcus Hayes, columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer. You can also catch him on Sports Radio 94 WIP at Ink Stained Wretch on Twitter. So, uh, Marcus's new article out, most recent article uh, in the Inquirer Girardi's firing a needed jolt. And that's where we'll, we will uh, start, Marcus. First of all, welcome. Thank you for joining me again, as always. And is this just a, a short lived jolt? Or can this be a sustained, long-term, successful jolt for the Phillies? Well, I I don't know that it's like a you know Frankenstein's monster lightning to the lightning rod, you know revival or you know. Uh, I would say that they're playing the way they should play, and so this sort of knocked the train back on the tracks more than anything else. If say Nick Nelson, the reliever, turned into Mariano Rivera. That would be something you'd be you should be worried about because he's not Mariano Rivera, but turning Kyle Schwarber back into Kyle Schwarber is not an alarming thing, and getting contributions from Mickey Moniak and especially Bryson Stott who went four for four last night and he's you know he's got two home runs since uh, since Joe Girardi was fired, those are indications that maybe Kyle Schwarber who was signed for seventy nine million dollars and leading off on a team that had no other leadoff hitter, maybe he was putting a little too much pressure on himself. The same thing with the young guys. And when you remove a manager like Joe Girardi, who is a good manager and a good guy, pressure is relieved relieved because Joe's just such an intense guy. And you're always kind of worried about where the next shoe is going to drop with Joe Girardi. And I don't think the same is true with Rob Thompson. It just feels like Hey, listen, it's only five games. Phillies are 5-0, and undefeated in the Rob Thompson era. Six games overall is their winning streak. It's still very early on in this air quotes era. But it just feels like with Thompson, and, and good on him for not trying to reinvent you know, the wheel and just keeping things simple, but that's what you need to do sometimes, right? Like, it just feels like Girardi was trying to do too much. He, he was, you know, Schwarp was brought in unconventional as he is as a leadoff, he was brought in to be the leadoff guy. You know, and Girardi continued to to mess and alter uh, with this lineup. And it just seems like Thompson said, okay, <laughs> let, let's just put put everything in its place here where it was supposed to go uh, and, and let's see what happens. And 
you see the short-term success because of it. Yeah. And there's really very little Joe Girardi could do. He is who he is, and he's been successful being who he is. He was successful to a, you know, to a relative degree with the Phillies for two years. He was a pretty good manager getting a, you know, a decent amount of uh, production out of a team in a very, very tough division. So, but the difference between like Gabe Kapler and Joe Girardi and Rob Thompson is they're, they're very big personalities. Hmm. The team is what they say it is, and it is of them. Gabe, with his unconventional sort of new age way of communicating and managing, and Joe as an analytics first guy who won a World Series with the Yankees and worked for them in some capacity for 15 years. When you remove that from a team with big player personalities like Schwarber, Castellanos, Castellanos, uh, Bryce Harper, um, Reese Hoskins, and these rookies, these are these young guys, Moniak, Bohm, and Stott are big personalities. When you remove the like sort of overshadowing big personality at the top and replace it with an egoless guy who only cares about kind of baseball stuff, I think this is what you get. You get a relief of pressure, you get a looser team, and you get a team that isn't always looking over its shoulder, and a team that can sort of express itself. It reminds me of the 2006 Phillies, who were, I think, six or seven under 500 when they traded Bobby Abreu, David Bell, and Corey Lytle. And that day, the day they traded Abreu, that was in a three-day span. The day they traded Abreu and Lytle to the Yankees, Pat Gillick came out and said, hey, we're two or three years away from winning. Well, they mm -hmm. made a playoff run that year. They were in it to the 161st game, which they won, by the way. Um, and then they made the playoffs in 2007, won the World Series in 2008, went back in 2009, and won 199 games in 2010 and 2011. That all began when Bobby Abreu and the other two players were removed from the clubhouse and it became Jimmy Rollins' clubhouse. It became Chase Utley's clubhouse. It became Ryan Howard's clubhouse. He won the MVP that year. So chemistry really matters, especially in baseball, because they're around each other so often, and it's very difficult to trust your teammate when it's only you in the batting box, in the batter's box. So all that said, it reminds me of what happened back then. And if you look at this team's makeup, it's built to do the same thing. They've got two guys on the front end of their rotation who are really good. They've got a lineup that's as good or better than that lineup one through five or one through six. I mean, who are you going to take? Yeah. Chooch or JT? You know, who are you going to take? Shane Victorino or Bryce Harper? Right. So they're in a really good spot to make a really good run for a really long time. Now, do you think a, a manager change slash – you know, manager in-season firing is can have that same type of impact. Um, I, I I know you don't have a crystal ball here, Marcus, but you've been around professional teams here in this city for a long time. So, you know, based off what you've seen and just, you know, as well as you can predict, do you think that, because I think that's an excellent example when I saw that in your article today uh, in the Inquirer. It's like, wow, I mean, the the comparisons that you just outlined right here uh, are, are, are pretty glaring for lack of a better way to put it but do you think that can have a similar type of impact because though that's a passing of the baton with players a manager you know do you think it can be a similar effect 
Yeah, we've seen it a lot. The, the, the one that resonates most with me and seems most similar to me, I believe it was 2003 in Florida where Jack McKeon took over and they won. Mm. You know, um, and it was a similar situation. McKeon's a funny guy and he's a, you know, kind of baseball lifer. And he would sit there and smoke cigarettes in the dugout illegally when he talked to the when he talked to the press with his legs crossed and he'd argue with you and he'd joke with you. But for him, it, you know, winning that day was really, really important. But managing the players was more important. Jack is probably the most similar person I, I can I can uh, recall, similar to Charlie Manuel, who'd mm. been through a lot of things understood that the sun will come out tomorrow, but also understood, and this was Charlie's greatest gift as a manager, if you create an atmosphere that's relaxed and positive, that will allow players, regardless of their profile, that will allow players to flourish. If you set a bunch of rules, meet out the discipline evenly, and don't hold any grudges and alleviate the tension, you will get the most from your players. Now, if you don't have good players, it's not going to matter. But the Phillies have lots of good players. This is who Rob Thompson is. When he was hired, what he talked about most was forging relationships and communicating. Yeah. Last time we heard that was Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with his emotional intelligence. I think, I don't mean to disparage Joe Girardi too much, but I wouldn't say that's his strong suit. And I would say it's Rob Thompson's strong suit. It's it's amazing and also alarming to me, Marcus, when I hear that in professional sports about, you know, especially the negative, what I'm talking about is head coaches, leadership roles in general. When you hear, yeah, they weren't they weren't a great communicator. <laughs> they, they weren't talking to the players. You know, and, and I know there's examples of all-time greats, especially in, quote, like the old days, uh, you know, dictator style, my way or the highway. Uh, but still, you can communicate with your players. And, and when Dombrowski spoke on the Friday of the Joe Girardi firing, uh, talking about communication, and I believe Rob Thompson also touched on communication, how is Girardi not communicating with these guys? I know he's literally not saying anything uh, I know he's not doing that, but it's just shocking to me, I guess, is my point, when when you hear that come up. You know, it's like, why can't everybody throw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball? You know? <laughs> it's a talent. It's a gift. Yeah, That's not one of his talents or gifts, and you can argue that should, you know, disqualify him from being a manager of a team that isn't sort of built to win. I was, talk we, I was covering football yesterday, and I was talking to the football writers who wanted to talk to me about, you know, what's going on with the Phillies. And the thing that resonated for me, like if you're if you're a football coach, a head football coach, communicating with your players is kind of a bonus. You know, there's too many of them. It's a mercenary business. You're here today, you're gone tomorrow. There's no guaranteed contracts. But it's super important as a baseball manager to do so. And I guess my point to them was if you can, if you can get your manager, if you can get a manager whose players trust him. It's really big. But if you don't have a manager whose players trust, you have to have a clubhouse that polices itself. Derek Jeter ran the Yankees clubhouse for Joe Girardi. <laughs> you know, CC Sabathia was a gigantic, magnetic, excellent personality. Mark Teixeira. These are guys who didn't need to be managed. I guess that's my point. 
And yeah. so Joe Girardi spent the bulk of his career, has spent the bulk of his career in club with clubs, with clubhouses that didn't need a manager to manage the players. The Phillies do. You know, it, it's cliquish. It's um, young. Uh, you know, even Bryce Harper and JT Realmuto as people are pretty young people. You know, Reese Hoskins is an old soul. But, you know, you've got Odubel Herrera still playing a major role. You've got Mickey Moniak and Bryson Stott. You've got Johan Camargo, who's a mercenary minor leaguer. It's not built like the Yankees were bits talented, but it's not built like the Yankees were built. I'd say the only guy who's done a lot and has sort of the perspective in that clubhouse, to my knowledge anyway, and I'm not there as much as the beat writers, is Kyle Schwarber. And you see that every time Kyle Schwarber speaks. Yeah, I, I agree. It seems like Schwarber is the leader. I mean, Bryce is Bryce is as well, of course, but uh, Schwarber's leadership role uh, will, will be a huge factor, at least that, that's my opinion. Now, going back to the comparison that you made, Marcus, with uh, 2006, where Abreu, uh, Corey Liddell, David Bell all get traded in season right before the deadline there, end of July, seven games under 500. You look at now this year's Phillies team, and all the talk and attention, of course, is on Bryce, it's on Schwarber, it's on Castellanos, uh, you know, even Hoskins, JT Riomuto. But now you have guys like Mickey Moniak and Alec Baum and Bryson Stott, who had a great night last night and just who's been playing well over the past few games here with, with Rob Thompson. Mm -hmm. Those three young guys, I am not going to compare them to Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, you know, and Chase Utley. But I would say those three guys, you could argue, are the biggest X factors of the success of this Phillies team. How do you factor those those young guys into this equation? Well, in talking to Charlie Manuel about this yesterday, he very quickly brought up that removing Bobby Abreu gave Shane Victorino a chance to play. Mm. Shane Victorino became an outstanding baseball player. He was a Rule 5 guy that the Dodgers gave up, I believe it was the Dodgers, gave up on, I think, three times. I think the uh, I think he was actually offered back to the Dodgers one time and they declined him. So um, <laughs> it, it, it opens up when you have a team with talented young players, you have to give them a chance to fail. And it's remarkable that several times they're going to be using Matt Beerling or Mickey Moniak and Bryson Stott in this lineup at the same time, along with Alec Bohm. And all of them have their deficiencies, either in their swing or in their defense or and they're just in their experience. I mean, Alec Bohm didn't have a triple-A career thanks to COVID. <clears throat> that said, guys like Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber are insistent that they want those guys in the lineup. Eugene Segura is hurt. This is a, a, unfortunate. He's probably their best overall hitter. But that gives Bryson Stott an everyday place to play, you know? Moniak's yeah. going to play in center field three out of five days, three out of six days. And Alec Bohm's your everyday third baseman after thinking everybody thinking Bryson Stott would be your everyday third baseman because Stott had a better spring. So you've got two and a half guys, because I don't think Moniak's going to play as much as Bohm and Stott. You've got two and a half guys occupying, well, really three, because Veerling's you know, essentially a rookie as well. You've got three guys, you know, a third of your lineup, protected by a really strong lineup. It's a pretty good situation to be in. 
you look at the Phillies right now, winners of six in a row. They're 27 and 29, nine and a half back of the Mets. Uh, Atlanta's at 30 and 27. But for the Phillies, I think the number, the obvious number that we should focus in on is not the Mets and where they stand, but the wild card. And the Phillies now are three and a half games back of a playoff spot. I, I want to bring up a couple weeks ago, it's almost a month ago now at this point, Phillies went on the road. They take three of four in LA against the Dodgers after a one and four homestand, I believe. They go out, they finish five and two, but at one point they go five and one out West, score a, a boatload of runs. Uh, I, I, my point here is the comparisons in that stretch to this one, I, I think are fair, not identical, but fair. So how can the Phillies stop the the downfall that they continue to have the roller coaster ride that they continue to have. I'm not saying never lose a game here in the next three months, but how can they avoid six and zero, one and five, four and two, two and six? Um, the biggest issue for me hasn't been you know the the middle relief not producing or Corey Knebel the closer blowing up, or even the bats going silent. The biggest issue for me is they gave away they gave other teams extra outs and they gave away outs themselves on the bases and they didn't have good at bats at times they just need to be disciplined it's very very difficult for someone who's not good at a thing to do that thing to whatever level they can do it under lots of pressure and that's what you had with joe girardi the thing that nobody's really written about or talked about is even with a few mistakes over the last five games how crisp this team has play, has looked and how crisply they, they've played to the degree they can. You know, you're not going to get Kyle Schwerber going over the wall and pulling back home runs, but you haven't seen Odubel Herrera let a, an overthrow go to the center field wall. You know, it's just simple stuff like that. They won the game last night. They arguably have the worst everyday first baseman in baseball defensively in Reese Hoskins. They won a game last night and got the – Third out of the ninth inning, I believe this is accurate if I can remember through my bleary memory. <clears throat> Reese Hoskins had to switch feet, go into foul territory, hold the bag as the runner was approaching for the third out. That's as much as he could do, but he didn't. That's not a great defense. That's a kind of a basic first baseman defensive play. That is the best defensive play that Reese Hoskins can make in his Reese Hoskins body. So that's what you're looking for. You're looking for focus. You're looking for guys who expect to succeed. That's how you that's how you staunch losing streaks. So instead of six, it's two, you know, two two losses, two wins, two losses. Those you can stomach. You can't stomach getting swept. You can't stomach losing 12, 13 in a row. Those are the things that create cancer in the clubhouse, and those are the things that uh, lose seasons and get managers fired. So all that said, this team is built to hit its way out of long losing streaks. If this team functions on the base paths and in, and defensively the way at the at, at sort of the average of where it's supposed to function, just be decent. And they weren't decent for a month, and that was Joe Girardi. Talking talking with Marcus Hayes, columnist for uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer. Can also catch him on Sports Radio 94 WIP. One or two more quick ones, Marcus. I appreciate your time. Five games 
five wins with Rob Thompson. <laughs> it's a small sample size in comparison to 162, so I have to phrase this accordingly. But ha have we seen enough? Like, do, are you at least confident or optimistic that this Phillies team can be reborn, right? It's not the same old Phillies, right? I just mentioned the Dodgers example a month ago and the roller coaster ride to consistent mediocrity here with this organization. Do we have optimism now, maybe for the first time, that things can and will change as soon as this season? Well, I think one, one of the things that we're kind of not talking about and it's funny because we, we take it for granted in Philadelphia of all places, is they they beat Milwaukee in the first two games of that series. Milwaukee's the best team in the Central. They beat Milwaukee on the road, and they did it because they got a spectacular start from Ranger Suarez and a spectacular better start last night from Aaron Nola. So that's the other sort of – that's the other component to this – Philly staff that or this Phillies team that we're sort of ignoring. You take Zach Wheeler for granted, especially now that he's clearly found himself. But if you can get a good start from three of the four other guys, Kyle yeah. Gibson, Zach Eflin, Ranger Suarez, and Aaron Nola, who's supposed to be this good, then you're a contender. You know, you're going to win. You should be four or five over 500 in a bad spot this at this point. But again, the starting pitching hasn't been their issue as much as it has been sloppy, bad baseball and streaky hitting. So starting pitching ends losing streaks. Starting pitching uh, continues winning streaks. So they're in a, all five of their starting pitchers are healthy and all five of them have looked pretty good within the last month. Not terribly consistent, but pretty good. So, yes, you should have faith because you have two of the four components, in my, from my perspective, of a team that should be about a 90-95 win team in that you've got very good starting pitching. You've got an excellent lineup. If you can overcome or at least settle in your bullpen to be average or slightly above, all of that can overcome awful defense when you have three wildcard teams. So, yeah, you should definitely be excited because, you know, this is what we expected them to be coming out of spring training after Dave Dombrowski put this roster together. And clearly the, the biggest impediment, not that he did anything wrong, just a chemistry issue, was Joe Girardi. You bring up Dombrowski, and this will we'll end with this. How much credit sh should we give him for deciding to fire Girardi? Or was that really not much credit deserved. It is, uh, things were getting pretty ugly. I, I think it's good on him he made that decision. I was Marcus. astonished. Like, I was pretty yeah. surprised when they fired Chip Kelly years ago, and I was kind of surprised when they fired Doug Peterson. I was astonished that Dave Dombrowski, what, 50 games into a season, would fire you know, a, a manager of Joe Girardi's mm -hmm. magnitude and reputation coming off a win. Off yeah. and off day. Like, that was a bit, if they were 0 and 5 right now, we'd be running Dave Dombrowski out of town. Sure. So, yeah, I was, he deserves all the credit for that. I think that he sort of read his owner and John Middleton before he talked to him about, hey, can I, can I fire Joe uh, last Tuesday? And he knew what the answer was going to be. And 
so Middleton should have get some credit as well. This is this is very much a John Middleton endorsed move. But yeah, Dave Dombrowski took a huge risk in changing managers. Joe was not disliked in the clubhouse. Joe was not right. a problem in the clubhouse. He didn't have enemies in the clubhouse. So yeah, Dave Dombrowski deserves as much credit for firing Joe Girardi as he does for, you know, acquiring you know, Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber. Marcus Hayes, columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer. New article out today, Thursday, June 9th. Man, June 9th. Titled, Girardi's Firing a Needed Jolt. Marcus, you watching the finals? Who wins this series? The, uh, oh, the Golden State Warriors versus the yes. Celtics? Well, I, I'm rooting for the Celtics. So I, I grew up hating oh. the Celtics, even though I wasn't a Philadelphian. I hated the Celtics. But I just can't stand Draymond Green. So I'm rooting, uh, I'm rooting for the Celtics, and I think they'll win. All right. I give you credit, my friend. Uh, it's, it's hard. For trust Boston. me. Yeah. It's the hardest. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm not much of a fan of anything anymore. <laughs> and I, I ju- it, hurts me, it hurts me bad to be a fan of the Celtics. <laughs> well, there you go. That's, that's being a fan in general. Uh, Marcus Hayes, everyone. I appreciate your time, my friend. We'll catch up soon. All right. Thank you. Uh, great stuff from Marcus Hayes, as always. And like I mentioned a few times there throughout our conversation, make sure you give Marcus a follow on Twitter at InkStainedWretch. Great Twitter handle. Columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer. You can also hear him on the airwaves. My coworker at Sports Radio 94 WIP in Philadelphia. Uh, he jumps on sometimes over the weekend as uh, co-host of different shows over the weekend and uh, even during the week, does some fill-in stuff as well. So uh, stay up to date with everything Marcus has going on at Ink Stained Wretch. Check out his article out today. Girardi's firing and needed jolt. Quickly here, this is all about the Phillies on this episode, but NBA Finals, we'll discuss more about it on the next episode, but the Boston Celtics come away with the pivotal Game 3 win. We talked about it. On yesterday's episode, when the series is tied 1-1 in the NBA Finals all time, the winner of Game 3 ends up winning the series like 82% of the time. Crazy. Will that stay and hold true this year for this Finals? If so, the Boston Celtics will be your NBA champion. We'll recap some of our best bets from Game 3 on the next episode and then shift our focus to Game 4 and all of the updated odds at Bet Rivers as it relates to Warriors Celtics Finals MVP, updated odds, uh, correct series score outcome, and those updated odds, series winner updated odds, and everything in between, doing what we do best right here on the Philadelphia City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to another edition. Make sure you are subscribed and following the City Cast. We're available on all of your podcast platforms, and you can give me a follow at Wise Rye on Twitter, W-I-S-E-R-Y-E. You can find links to each and every episode we put out there, as well as links to find us for all and any of your podcast platforms. Enjoy the rest of your day. Best of luck on all your bets. And I'll see you next time on the Philadelphia CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Peace. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the entire baseball season. Place a three-leg, same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. 
With same game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Presented by BetRivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 